Amen. You may be seated. Well, we thank, thank the Lord that He is the way maker. That song's pretty special to me. Although sometimes I kind of get PTSD with it. Because it was a time in my life that it was literally, we were battling a life and death situation in our family. And I remember going to my garage and doing battle the only way I could do at that time. Because there's nothing in the natural that would have changed anything. But you know what? God moves on the hearts. And I remember in the garage just singing, singing that song, Lord, you're the way maker. You're the miracle worker. Let me tell you, if you're following a Jesus that's not the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, you're following the wrong Jesus. The one that, dare I say, is neutered, that has no power. We follow a cot full of power. And on the floor in my garage, singing that song, no matter what I see, he's making a way. So my daughter in bed that night had a dream at the same time of the trumpet sounding and the legions of heaven coming and doing battle in that situation. And that next morning, the situation changed. Boom. It changed. God's the miracle worker, the promise keeper. He is that person. And he's here today to be your miracle worker, your promise keeper, the way maker, the way that in the natural you're thinking, there's no way I can get through this situation. I don't see a way. Sometimes we get, we just don't, we don't know how anybody can change. But you know what? We never, when we are in that way, that's always the enemy lying to us. He's trying to get us to look only at circumstances and not how God's power can come and change a situation and you never even know how it happened. It's because God works on the heart. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, the last time I was here was uh, about a month ago. And so it's a two-parter. So the last time I was here, I talked about the foundation or firm foundation and I love that song we, we sang. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. Because we talked about foundation last time, which had been a month, you know, time's really going fast. I don't know about you, but I feel like it's going fast. Oh, and I don't know, I was sitting there singing, praising the Lord, and lots of emotion going on, because if you remember, a year ago, in December, we had our foundation made. And we were just waiting. We were waiting on the inspector to come and say, you have a firm foundation. You can now build. And we waited and we waited and we waited. We waited way longer than we thought we ever would wait. But you know, there's things going on in the, in the supernatural at the same time. Because I feel like this past year, we as a church have been needing to do that too. We got the clear January, uh, it was actually, we got the clear right before Christmas, but they didn't start until January, the first Monday in January, which we all know, that was ironic, <laughs> but it was just so true because Pastor Charlie laid this foundation and 
we went through that storm. You know, the rains came and the winds blew. But this house was built on Jesus. And it stood. And I feel like that's what we've been doing. We waited in the natural in December and then we, we started building in January on that foundation. But I feel like as we're building on that foundation physically, we actually are, this past year, have been recovering from our storm, shoring up our foundation, saying, okay, our foundation did come through a storm. The rains did come and the winds blew. And so we had to walk around our foundation and decide, was our house built on him? And there may have been some things that got blown away. You know, that's what storms do. If it's not secure, if it's not fastened, if it's not sure, if it's not made out of good material, when the rains come and the storms come or, and the winds blow, it blows away. That's not necessarily a bad thing because guess what? Now we see where the cracks are and we could go put, put it shored up and say, oh, we got to replace this with some good foundation with some good material. That's the same way in the natural, that when they went and built that foundation at the church building, the church site, the inspector was walking around making sure it was built with good, solid material because it needed to withstand. Maybe a tornado, probably not a flood <laughs> or a hurricane, but it, where we are, he made sure. So in our lives, I, I really feel like that's what we've been doing. That's where God laid, led me to speak on last time is our firm foundation. So I'm just going to recap. So uh, we emphasize that the word, the word of God has to be our, Christ has to be our firm foundation. And I kind of use those interchangeably. I am a math geek, just FYI. So I love math. I really, really do love math. But in math, okay, I hope this didn't go over your head. If A equals B equals C, then A can equal C. Anybody get that? <laughs> it's substitution mom's one. No. But it just, I, I always correlate it to math because if the word is our foundation, and the Bible says Jesus was the word and the word was God, then Jesus is our foundation. Amen? Do yeah. you following me there? So I can use those terms interchangeably. Jesus is the rock. He's our foundation. The Bible is our foundation. That's his love letter to us. I would be very mistaken if Eugene wrote me every day and I told him how much I loved him but never read his letters. So... That's where the Bible comes in. And he may give me instructions. If he's gone on a trip, he may say, "Hun, uh, I give me a text and say, I left a million dollars in the bank account for you to pay all your bills. I'm waiting for that text. <laughs> but if I never, if I talk to him on the phone and I, uh, and I told him how much I loved him all the time, that doesn't really help me if I don't read his letters. And 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 because he's like, didn't you read my letter? Why would I? I mean, he says, read my letter. I gave you provision. So when we okay, so that was a sidetrack. Um, so the word has to be our foundation, and to do that, you have to actually know what the word says, right. because 
we're living in a time where false Jesuses are being preached, um, sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly. But you have to know. It's just like last, last time I was up here, I brought Casey and Sydney, the twins, up here. Sydney's gone today. But to the untrained eye, no one would be able to tell me which one's Sydney, which one's Casey. Because they look alike on the outside. But when I get to know them, I get to know Sydney. I know her. I work with her. I fellowship with her. There's no fooling me. Maybe from afar. <laughs> and maybe when my tongue gets tied. But no one can tell me. Casey can't come to my gym and say, I'm here to go work. And I say, uh-uh. I haven't trained you. Where's Sydney? Because I know her. So when you know Jesus, you spend time with them. You're not going to be fooled. And he's going to be your foundation. So uh, we also talked about that everything, go ahead and put up 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, that in our culture, we're being bombarded with ideas and thoughts. And so this says, for the weapons of our warfare, this is in the Amplified, are not, car are not physical, that weapons of flesh and blood. That's really weird. Why is it like that? I'm going to read it over here. Uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overflow and destruction of strongholds. Now he's talking about ideas. Inasmuch we refute arguments and theories and reasonings. Okay, that's where we're at today. We have all kinds of ideas and arguments and theories. God needs to do this. Does he do that? He has grace for everybody. He loves everybody. He wouldn't make anybody change. Uh, but those ideas set themselves up against the true knowledge of God. And so we need to leave, lead every thought captive and every purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. So we talked about that, that there's all kinds of ideas going around. And they sound good. They sound good. But you've got to take captive those thoughts, compare them to the word, and say, hmm, does this line up? Because if you say, oh, it sounds good, and you don't compare it to the word of God, you've just gotten off track. Just for the example, you know, we all heard, you are, you are enough. You are enough. That's a popular one now. Guess what? You are not enough. I am not enough. But I can always add to that. I am enough when I walk when, with, through Jesus Christ. Because he makes me enough. You know, I'm short. I walk around and I can't reach anything. But I never walk around going, oh, I can't reach anything ever. No, I go, Eugene, Matthew, somebody, come pick that up. You know, that's the way Jesus is in our lives. We always come up short, but he's always there to make up that difference. That's called grace. Empowering us to do the things in us that we cannot do. Amen? So that's the foundation. That was your free recap. There you go. Now you can go back to listen to the message or not. So we've got our foundation. We've got Jesus is our rock. That's now guess what? 
we're in the time of our life, we're ready to build. We're ready to build. But before we build, I'm going to add just a tiny more layer of your foundation, and it has to be, it's called trust. And there's two things, trust and obey, because they go hand in hand. Can't really have one without the other. So to trust, the definition means to believe in the reliability, the truth, the ability and strength of something. We've got a whole, I mean, it's just like the American church. Everybody thinks if you're an American, maybe that you're a Christian. Uh, really? Because that means if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to actually be a Christ follower and you're going to believe what the word says. We have all kinds of people that say, yes, I'm a Christian, but that's the only evidence in their lives is that they said it. But if you looked at their lives, there was no evidence to convict. I heard this when I was a youth growing up. If Christianity was outlawed today, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? Would there? Okay, so take away Sunday. You got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Those six days of the week, you're broadcasting. Are you broadcasting that you're a Christ follower? If it became illegal, would they be knocking on your door first because they know you are a Christian? Or would you go up to them and go, okay, you can arrest me, and they go, what are you talking about? I've seen you on Friday nights. I've seen you in your house on Wednesday. You're not a Christ follower. You're okay. Go on. So, this is a little toe-stomping message. Did you guys bring your steel toe shoes? So if you're going to trust someone, you're actually going to believe them. You're going to believe in their reliability, their truth, their ability or strength of something. We have to start believing that the word is true and that we follow a God that is full of power. A transforming word. If you are the same person that you were a year ago, you are not being transformed. I tell my kids all the time, when you're 30, you should look back on your 20s and go, wow, I didn't know anything. When you're 40, you should look back on your 30s and go, wow, I've learned so much. I thought I knew stuff and I didn't know. Guess what? You're going to go to your 50s and you're going to look back on your 40s and go, wow, I really have learned a lot. You should be doing that. If you're not doing that, you're not being transformed into the image of God because guess what? You're never going to arrive until Jesus comes, because he is amazing. He is infathomable. And when we're changed from one degree of glory to another, we're never going to reach his height because he's always bigger. He's always got more wisdom. Now, there's been times that I've thought I have all the wisdom, just to let you know that, <laughs> that I have all the wisdom, and I find out, oh, there might have been more wisdom to know. There might have been. There is. There always is. So we should always be growing. We should always be changing. We should always be developing into the image of Christ. If he lives on the inside of you, that is what should be coming out. And if people don't see that, there is a problem that we have to address. 
So trust, we're talking about trust. Faith, faith also gets thrown around, that word faith. Faith and trust are really the same thing. If you're gonna have faith in something, you're gonna, have, you're gonna trust it. If I'm gonna sit on this table, which is not really a chair, I must trust that it's gonna hold me up, right? If I had a chair up here and I was gonna sit down without looking, I would trust that it's gonna hold me up. So faith, I actually like the word trust better because faith is just so flippantly thrown. Do you have faith? Do you have faith? Oh, I'm a faith person or whatever. And everybody's definition of faith seems to be a little bit different. But I like the word trust. But faith in our, this sense means believing that God is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Okay? To do that, you have to know what he said he's going to do. You have to know who he, who he says he is, and you have to know what he says he's going to do. So we're, we're talking about that foundation, and you know what? We all desire to build some, I mean, it's just like the church Eugene was showing us. It's beautiful. It's on the outside. It's beautiful. We all desire to build something in our lives that's something beautiful, but we can't do that without a solid foundation. And the deeper you go with your foundation, the higher you can build. You can build those sky rises. Their foundation is deep, way deeper than just a ranch house, a ranch style house that you see. The deeper you go, the higher you can build. Amen? So, um, trust has to be linked with obedience. And I know we don't like that word. I minister on um, kids, raising kids quite a bit. I haven't in a while. But uh, when I do, I show a picture of a house, which I could not find. So, sorry, I don't have one. But the foundation when you're raising kids is you have to build a foundation on obedience. And I use Ephesians 6. Um, one through three, as my foundation on that. Because it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord as his representatives, for this is just and right. Honor, esteem, and value as precious your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And this is why. That it may be well with you and you may live a long time on the earth. That, so when you're raising kids, if that's your foundation, you're not going to go wrong. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. But I say that to say this because we have to have that same one. We have to learn to trust and we have to learn to obey. And you have to teach your kids to obey. Amen. You know what? There is a new movement out that says, don't, I don't, I don't actually know what they're saying because it doesn't align itself with the word of God. But calling it an Old Testament principle to teach your kids to obey is an error. Now, that is an error if you're teaching your kids to obey only to correct, correct their behavior. But it's a heart issue. Because guess what that verse says? As his representatives, when you teach your kids to obey, how many of you personally can obey God the first time he says it 
in a conversational tone of voice, you know, because, or how many of you even hear his voice? Better yet. But I guarantee you, if you have kids, you will have started them way above the curve if you have taught them to obey. Because you know in your own life, you struggle to hear the voice of the Lord. And then when you do hear the voice of the Lord, you're like, oh, was that me? I don't want to do that. I will look silly. What if he told you to go up front and, uh, and raise your hands? Oh, my goodness. That is out of my comfort zone. I don't want to do that. Okay. That's, guess what? That's not obedience. Uh, I used to call that disobedience. I used to tell my kids, if you don't obey right away, you end up forgetting, and it turns into disobedience. You know, because that's a big word, disobedience. And when you use it, you're like, ah. I mean, because it should be a big word. Hey, it has consequences. Disobedience, not only with your kids, should have consequences, but guess, you know why disobedience with your kids should have consequences? Because disobedience in our lives right now at 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old has consequences. It could either be bad consequences or you miss out on a blessing. Either way, it's bad news. We got to learn to obey, and we got to learn to obey quickly in a conversational tone of voice. In other words, when I say conversational tone of voice, God shouldn't have to yell at you. You know why? Because he won't very often, unless it's a matter of life and death, because he's probably told you three or four times ahead of time not to do something, and then you keep doing it. I'll never forget on 9-11 of the testimonies that came out on 9-11 of people that said, a still small voice told me not to go today or not to do this. Do you think that God favored them? Or do you think he told every single person that day not to go in and they just didn't hear? Or some of them would have said, but I have to do this today. I guarantee you he talked to every single of his children that day. But only a few of them listened. Because that obedience sometimes doesn't make sense. When you look at the story of Abraham and Isaac in the Old Testament, here is Isaac, the son of promise. And God says, go sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. Okay, if I was Abraham, I'd be going, but, but, but you gave him to me. Why would you tell me to do that? And we have no record that Abraham did that. It simply got his stuff together, took, took everything, took his servants with him, and went. The only record we have is him being perfectly obedient, going to the mountain, leaving his servants, telling his servants, me and the lad are gonna come back. You know why? Because he was hanging on to that promise. Because he was convinced in his heart God would not lie because he knew him. He knew God would not lie. And so the second word will never conflict the first word. And so that must, he's going to hang on to that first word. So he hung on to that first word. He said, me and the lad are going to come back. And Isaac's walking along going, Hey, Dad, 
where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God's going to provide. Even in the face of him, come here, Isaac, lay down, I'm going to tie you up. Raising the knife, he was convinced that God would raise him from the dead because he was the son of promise. And then right then, God knew he was going to obey. What you don't realize is that obedience paved the way for our Savior to come. Did you know that? That scholars say Jesus was sacrificed on Mount Moriah. Jesus gave his life. The Father gave his only son because Abraham was willing to give his. Obedience. Obedience is very important. And in the New Testament, obedience. Peter, fishing, guess what? He was a professional fisherman. He, was, he knew what he was doing. It's not like he was a novice. He was a professional fi fisherman. Jesus comes along and says, hey, Peter, throw your net on the other side. And Peter did say, we've been fishing all night. And he goes, he goes throw your net on the other side. He didn't explain himself. He didn't say, okay, Peter, I need you to listen to me because I, you know, I am the creator of the universe. And I created these fish, and they listen to me when they do things. So I really, really need you to hear me now, and I need you to walk not in your own understanding, but listen to me because I have actually called these fish over, and they're going to come, and they're going to get in your net. Okay, he didn't do that. He just said, throw your net over. Okay, that didn't make sense. But Peter said, nevertheless, at your word, I will do it. Yeah. That's trust. That's trust. And he did. And guess what? The fish came up. So we've got to come to a place in our lives that we trust even when we don't understand. We might have not understand all this past year what happened. But we're going to keep our trust in the one who knows it all. We're going to let go of the whys and hows, and we're just going to trust. Amen? Trust and obey. They go hand in hand. Um, now, here's a big one. But you're going to be so happy if you get a hold of this. Because trust is letting go of control. You got to let go. You women, you mamas, <laughs> you wives, you got to let go of control. You got to quit trying to control your husbands. You got to quit trying to control your kids. Because guess what? When you let go of control, you're trusting the one, you're putting your trust in someone who can change the heart of the person that you're trying to control that you couldn't have changed anyway. I heard a quote by Craig Rochelle years ago, and it struck me because this is what it said. It says, what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. Okay? All you mamas, if you're always worried about your kids, what's going to happen all this stuff, that could happen, that could happen. Guess what? That is revealing to you where you trust God the least in your life. You may trust God 
with your finances or anything else. But when it comes to your kids or your husband, you're like, no, they can't go there. They can't do this. They have to do this. They're always, always, always trying to control. And guess what? We have an epidemic of anxiety now in our world. You know why? Because there's trust issues. Because when you try to control everything, you also invite anxiety in your life. You just, I mean, there's no if ands, or buts about it. You will have anxiety. You know why? Because you were not meant to control everything. Yeah, this was a, this hit me big, like I said, not only with my own kids when they were young. My first bout was when CE was just walking. We lived out on the ranch, 60 miles from a tiny town, you know, like Boy City was the big town. Clayton's a big town. So 60 miles from one of those. And here I am with a toddler in rattlesnake country. So I had to decide early on, was I going to trust my kid and plead the blood of Jesus over him and speak Psalms 91 over him and then that's all I can do anyway? Or was I going to fret about him all the time and live in worry? Now, I will say that I come from a line of worriers that mom's better, trust me. But I recognized that when I first got married. And I, 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 I even remember coming up, standing right over there, to break that worry over me. Because I I, I've seen how it, it affected my grandmother, and I just was like, I do not want to be like that. I don't want to be a worrier. And so I remember saying, okay, Lord, well, I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. See, that's the key. When you're walking with Jesus and you're listening to him all the time, why would I worry? Because if I'm walking in fellowship with him, he's always going to tell me, hey, there's a step right there. Watch out. I don't have to go, is there a step? Is there a step? Is there a step? No, I'm going to walk with him and he's going to watch out. There's a step. So if I'm walking with him with my kids, he's going to say, speak wisdom. This is what you need to do. I don't need to be worrying all the time. <gasps> what if they do this? What if they do that? So I learned that early on, and then I did remember, okay, there was times in my life, because I've always been about raising kids, and it's just been in my heart, even before I had kids when I was little, I just have always studied it, I loved it, but you get in a position where you think if you do everything right, they're going to turn out right. Guess what? That means I'm, I'm in control, and that can't be. Now, I need to always listen to the Lord and do what he says, but the outcome has to be his because their little hearts are involved. So there were several times that I had to put down my throne of my kids or my God. Believe it or not, you have idols in your life that you put in front of God. You don't even realize it. In my life, my kids were one of them. My whole life was about my kids. Whole life was about what I did. And most of the time I put it down, but it came to a head when I became a grandma. Now, I know everybody says, being a grandma is the best thing ever. And I would go, because I was not feeling it. <laughs> I said, hopefully Cheyenne is not listening or Zach and Lynette. But listen, I did not like it. 
at all. But it was the Lord who gently showed me because when they were pregnant, I mean, it was fine, you know, it was like, uh, but I was feeling it, feeling it. And when they were born, I definitely felt it. It was not a happy occasion. You know why? That little baby did not get to come home with me. They were going home with someone else. And I had to trust that that person was going to listen to the voice of the Lord. <laughs> and sometimes I thought they were not making the right choice. And the Lord was gently showing me, did your kids turn out because of everything you did? And I would have to say, no. My kids love the Lord and serve the Lord today because God is good. And because in my failures, I would try to always point them to the Lord. They'd listen. And it was always about the heart. So being a grandma, <laughs> I had to do the same thing. I had to go, <sighs> I trust. Actually, I don't trust my kids. I don't trust Zach and Lynette. I don't trust Cheyenne and CE. But you know who I do trust? I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord just like he did with me to be able to come through and move through my inadequacies and my failures and still be glorified. So in those parts in your life, when you think that you're in control, you might do a double check and say, whoa, I'm hanging on just a little too tight. Am I trusting the Lord in this matter? Or am I trusting like it says David said, and I won't look that up, but in Psalms. He said, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord. There's all kinds of things in our life that we've set up as idols. Even if it's our own strength. You know, honestly, Mackay Simpson got back from alert, uh, air land emergency resource team, and I won't talk, I won't, I won't tell you what that is, but both, I had two sons go through alert also. And Eugene and I have had this conversation. Alert is a Christian-based uh, honor, uh, oh, it's like an army thing, but it's a service. Like you can come through it and you can have uh, a firefighting degree or whatever. But they're going to take you through boot camp just like the army does, except the army's goal is to tear you down so that you have to rely on your team, your brothers, your whatever you call those people. So, Eugene and I have had this conversation because Alert is very good at what they do. Their goal is to tear you down and take you to the end of yourself so you have no choice but to call out to the Lord. But we've had, and so CE went through this and uh, Zeke went through this, but we've had this conversation before because we thought, you know what, those kids that come in very strong physically actually are in the most disadvantage because they're going to push you the hardest on your physical strength. Because the piece, so I said that to say this, you think you're strong, 
that's an idol. Let go of your own strength. When you think you're strong, you could be stronger if you relied on the Lord. Just rely on him. He wants to do that. He's bringing the church into a new age. We want revival to come. We want revival fires to come. Guess what revival fires do? They burn. Those revival fires burn off the chaff, the things that aren't supposed to be there. And it's going to leave something that's pure and reflects the image of God. So if you have things in your life that you have not let go of, you know, it could be something as your mouth. Does your mouth reflect what the word says all the time? If someone sees you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, do they go, they have a filthy mouth? Or they're talking negative all the time. They're not a Christian. They're not full of hope. What's your mouth? Are you relying on something other than God? It could be your own strength, your own ability can be an idol or something else. But today is the day to let it go. Today, like he said, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day so we can move forward because if God wants to reach our town, our generation, it's gonna start with you. And it's going to start with you letting go and starting trusting God in some of those areas in your life, whether it be finances, your kids, your husband, your children, or whatever. It starts with you trusting him and putting it in his hands and then being obedient. I'm not saying go home and sit on your couch and watch TV all day because God's taking care of it. I'm saying press in getting his presence, figure out what he's telling you to do, and leave the outcome to God. When Jesus performed his first miracle, turning the water into wine, he never once told those servants, go turn the water into wine for me, please. He never, ever told them to do that. He only told them to go fill the jugs with water, something they could, they could do. Now, they could have sat over there and whined and fussed and said they didn't have any more wine for the feast. And he would have told them to go fill the jugs with water. And they could have sat there and said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Why would I ever do that? And then whined and cried because we didn't have. Okay, their obedience was all he was asking for. He wasn't, the outcome is his job. We've got to trust and obey and leave the outcome up to him, no matter what. That's all we're called to do. Do you realize how freeing that is? All I have to do is obey. All, I have to, all we have to do as a church is to obey and to lift him up. We don't have to worry about filling that church up with people. We don't have to worry about paying for that church because all we have to do is be obedient and lift him up, and he said he's going to draw all men unto him. That is a huge relief. We're only responsible to do what God tells us to do. That should be a huge relief off of you. Trust and obey. Trust and obey today, 
trust and obey tomorrow, and then the next day, whoop, and then the next day, and I need those glasses to see, <laughs> because I have a great quote from a great man. His name is Eugene Light. He says, destinations are not reached in giant leaps. They are reached one act of obedience at a time. Okay? So I want everybody to stand with me. And I'm not going to call for repentance because I honestly believe every single one of us need to repent today. I need to repent. I need to repent. Everybody needs to repent. I want this day to be say, okay, we're going forward from this day on. We're going to start building, building on our foundation, letting go of the things that so easily get in our way. Amen. So if you will put yourself in agreement with this prayer that I'm going to pray, I believe God's going to change you. And he's going to take you by the hand if you'll grab it. And we're going to move forward. And we're going to build. Amen? So Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you care about us and that you want to build. And Father, it's our desire to reflect you and to reflect your image clearly. So, Father, right now, I lead these people and me at the front of the line. I ask for your repent. I ask for your forgiveness, and I repent when I put things ahead of you, when I put busyness ahead of you, when I put my kids ahead of you, when I put my own strength, when I relied on my own strength instead of you. I ask your forgiveness, and I lean and lean and lean into you and your strength and ability. Burn out all those blind spots in my eyes, in my life. Burn them out. I don't want them there. I want to reflect you more and more in everything I do and everywhere I go. May we be lights. May we be lights as we go forth today into this dark, dark world. And we're only lights because we're reflecting you. Move in this place, Lord. Heal the brokenhearted. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you need prayer for your physical body, you need deliverance. And, or you say, hey, I don't even know what you're talking about because I've never turned my life over to the Lord. Come, today's the day. Today's the day for a new day, a new you. Today's the day to be delivered. You know what? Today's the day to get the devil off of your life. If you've got things in your life that you've never been able to get free from, that's a clue that it may be demonic. And guess what? We serve a God who drives the demons out. We've lost that in the American church. We've lost that. That, hey, there is a demon, there's a demonic realm that we've lost because we just turn a blind eye and go get medication. Listen, people need to be free. You can't minister to other people unless you're free. If you need to be free from porn, if you need to be free from addictions, drugs, whatever, he's here. 
And you know what? It's freeing. It's, I don't have to do it because he's the one who's going to do it. I just have to be obedient. And the same thing with you. Today is it. Come. Come up here. Get free today. So I, we got a prayer team up here. Going to be up here. You can be free today. You can change your life today. Amen. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.